Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes podcast. This is Case 13, Iris. I am Jeremy, keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a role-playing game filled with cosmic horror, existential dread, and so many writhing tentacles that even certain purveyors of peculiar fetishes would be like, whoa, 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 hold on now. That should not go there. Your investigators of the unknown are Gabe as Roy. I'm announcing my run for local government tonight, but I didn't really prepare a speech. Matt as Rocky. I'm announcing my run into Mordor because one does not simply walk. And Brian as Pippa. Uh, I got the runs. (laughs) So much running. All right. Well, welcome back, players. How's everybody doing tonight? We had a couple, I guess we had like one or two weeks off, didn't we? Four, I think. One? Eleven. All right. Well, listeners, if you would like to write us a love note or hate mail, send us a letter from beyond on our website at lovecrafttapes.com. And guess what? We do have a couple fresh letters from beyond to read tonight. First letter from Jamie, who says, Hey guys, been listening to your podcast over the last two years during work. Really takes the edge off of my factory job when I'm not in the mood for music. Just finally got to chapter 13, that's this one, and can't wait to hear where this all goes. And the character I actually miss the most is Detox. I thought she would have been great, but after she left, I picked Jack as favorite. I miss both characters and wish all current ones fun times. Can't wait for Roy to go batshit insane. I hope the message reaches you in your dimension. I hope it's not a factory job where you're stamping metal and listening to our podcast. Oh, I also miss Detox. I I had fun plans for that character. I don't. Cool. Well, thank you, Jamie. Appreciate that feedback. Always fun to hear that. Also, uh, we did get a review on Apple Podcasts from Harold Winter 2022, who says, Excellent podcast, 10 out of 10. This podcast ticks all the boxes for me. The Cthulhu mythos is sprinkled in just right by the genius keeper. That's me. Alongside a cast of funny, experienced players, friends. That's you. I hope to see it succeed further and go from strength to strength in the future. Very little manages to hold my attention this long these days, but every time I put this on in the car, I'm transported away into the story. You guys rock. Thanks for everything. That was very nice. No, no, no. Thank you, Harold Winter 2022. You are so good looking. The show is brought to you in part by our generous fans and supporters on patreon.com slash Lovecraft Tape. So, Tip of the hat for you guys out there. A lot of people don't know this, but uh takes a hell of a lot of energy to constantly open this portal from the mat void. Patreon money goes towards supporting the nuclear power plant that's sitting right outside that keeps this thing running. Look, your toilet is not a power plant, dude. We've talked about this. I call it Cherry Noble. <laughs> All right, before we begin, we need to take a quick commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsor. You know what they say, April showers bring Mayflowers. Hi, I'm Leo May, owner and proprietor of Mayflowers, located in the financial district of Lower Manhattan. Just look for the bull. As you know, this past April we experienced the most unusual light show in the sky. Sparks from a passing meteor during a very rare planetary alignment of Mars and Venus. But what does this have to do with daisies? 
lots. What most people don't realize is that very same alien rock entered our atmosphere and broke apart, sending chunks of interstellar debris hurtling to Earth. And wouldn't you know it, one of those magical stones crash-landed on my farm upstate, right where we grow most of our posies. Now, months later, I'm proud to debut our latest creations, including Carnation Out of Space, Tiger Lily on the Doorstep, Haunter of the Dahlia, Marigolds of Madness, Under the Peonies, and Salvia of Randolph Carter. You know, Randolph, he does all our deliveries. So whether you're buying a bouquet for the dining room table or decking out the wedding halls for an upcoming nuptial, we've got something truly unique for your empty vase. Act now, and with each order, we'll include a free vial of sentient goo we extracted from that cracked meteor, so you can grow your own strange and wonderful blossoms. Go crazy. Who am I kidding? You won't have a choice. And we're back! What'd you guys think of that product tender service? Hey, I loved it. It was a funny idea, and then it fell apart and was boring. Kind of like the Oscars. Well, at one time, I was deeply in love with that product tender service. So much so that I showed up at its doorstep one night, pretending I was a trick-or-treater, playing Bauhaus cassettes on my Radio Shack boombox, while I used poster board signs to convey my true feelings. Unfortunately, I chose October 31st to do this, so about 50 other kids showed up, fully costumed, and pushed me down, taking all my hard-earned candy. Now I can't even think about that product and their service without PTSD flashbacks of blood mingling with bite-sized Snickers, while the mocking lyrics of Bella Lugosi's Dead drone on and on and on. I liked that one. Because of Bauhaus? Yeah. I like Radio Shack. Now, dear investigators, we play... Case 13, tape 10, the ground is sour. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. As any seasoned investigator can tell you, splitting the party yields twice the results in half the time. With those marching orders firmly in hand, Roy and Pippa take a wrong turn somewhere in the subway system, coming face to face with a creepy canine that pans out to be anything but. Meanwhile, Rocky makes a hasty retreat back to Hotel Odebrati just in time to witness Tomislav's tragic betrayal and another gray dogman abscond with the mystical scepter. Gadzooks! Will this be the last train out for Choo Choo and the gang at the abandoned 76th Street station? Will anything truly easel Rocky's mind after witnessing that terrible photograph at DBRT Studio? Lean forward ever so carefully, gentle listeners, and strain to hear as we pull back the sheet to reveal even more horror. Rocky, you stand before the image of Charles Blaine knowing full well it depicts his last living moments, captured for all eternity on photostock as he is being eaten alive by Marigold Odebrati and some enormous hairless dogman creature with gray-mottled skin and a strangely human blood-smeared smile. In fact, 
that face bears an uncanny similarity to someone else. Who was it? With a shock of revelation, your mind conjures up the case files you reviewed long ago from the contented cow incident. One of the missing guests had been later identified as none other than Jason Windflower, a serial killer cutting a swath across the country and who tried to pin his crimes on Charles Blaine. There was no mistake. This ghoul bore too striking a resemblance to that madman. Even as your brain attempts to collate this new information, your shaking hands foretell a nervous instability even now taking hold of your overloaded system. I'm going to need you to have to roll sanity right off the bat, please. Oh, damn, son. Uh, I needed a 56. I rolled a 44. All right, so you will take one point of sanity damage. As soon as I make the connection between the contented cow and Jason and the photograph, I'm just going to subconsciously just start slowly leaning closer and closer and closer to his face in the photograph until my nose is touching it and I'm just like laser eyed on his face. Takes me a second and then I finish and I realize what I'm doing and I like take a couple of steps back and brush myself off and, you know, I'll pretend like nothing happened. As you lean closer and closer... You begin to hear these screams echoing, just like in your dream the other night. You're laser-focused not on Jason Windflower's face, but on Charles's pain-racked face, his mouth hanging open, his eyes glazed, but still quite alive. It seems as if this ghostly wail is emanating from the black hole of his throat. And that's when you clench down with your iron will and push yourself back from the photograph. And a hand clamps on your shoulder. And Maria says, Are you okay? Rocky, you don't, you don't look so well. Just uh, a little bit of the past coming back to haunt the presence, I guess you could say. And she looks over your shoulder at the photograph. And you hear her gasp as she takes in the sight, and she mumbles under her breath, Oh, Charles, oh my god. Unfortunately, I believe there's nothing we can do for him here. What we can do, however, is find that artifact and stop whatever has been started. It's usually how these things go. And while you're saying all of this, Maria's hand has gone from your shoulder down to essentially hold your hand, clenching on as if she needs an anchor. Then you hear... And it's coming from the crate directly behind the easel. Going to slide the easel off to the side, shine the flashlight through maybe a couple of cracks in some of the boards and see if I can't get at least a little bit of a glimpse of what's inside. There aren't any gaps in the wood. The panel at one end is hinged, and there is a hasp that has been thrown open as if the lock had been removed. The panel that is hinged is slightly open a crack, and you hear another... From within. Quickly step to the open end of the crate, push it back shut, and lean up against it. 
Generally, when something like this shows up in a crate and it starts making moaning noises, you don't want it to get out. I'd say something about Tuscaloosa, but I don't like to think about what happened in Tuscaloosa. What if it's somebody who needs our help? You know, I'll have to have Roy tell you a story about the same time he said that to me, and it didn't turn out so nice. Like, if you insist, I'm going to open as small of a crack in that, that side as possible and try and peek in to see what's inside. And the crate is empty, except it appears that the bottom has been removed. And this is a facade to cover a manhole. The iron lid has been misplaced sidelong as if somebody exited down the manhole quite hurriedly. Well, I think I figured out where my uh, artist friend disappeared to. I'm going to swing it open. You know, half of me is telling me just to close that up, but we all know that's not going to happen. So I'm going to walk over and pull the the manhole cover all the way off. And uh, you see the manhole with some rungs heading down. You want to go down first, or should I? Well, I think whatever we need to do, we should probably do it quickly if... If she's on her way to Windflower with the artifact, we probably need to stop them before they get there. Right. Uh, in that case, hell on sea. Then I'm going to scramble down the rungs. So you clamber down the rungs, and after about 20 feet, you hit ground, and Maria's coming right above you. So you're watching her to make sure that she's not going to fall down. She actually seems pretty able for someone who's a bit older than even you are. And... As you do so, you hear directly behind you shuffling, and someone go, Gun up over my phone with flashlight pointing towards the noise. And you see Diamond Dave. His eyes have been plucked out. His hand, as you well know, is missing. There are bite marks all over his naked body. He has been shackled to one wall of this small chamber. And he opens his mouth and emits that horrible moaning sound, showing you the stump of his tongue where it used to be. Oh, I am so sorry I got you into this. Roy and Pippa, you stand before the corpse of Charles Blaine. Knowing full well he lived his last moments on this earth, strapped to a chair, helpless as something gnawed on his flesh. As the journal clearly spells out, Blaine had been tracking Jason Windflower after that sadistic criminal framed him for the contented cow crimes. But something obviously went wrong. Did Windflower, now some sort of Ghoul King get the drop on Charles? Or did Marigold Odobrati lure the investigator to his ultimate doom? Without a doubt, he died screaming in this lost and lonely railway station, hoping someone, perhaps his daughter, might save him at the last minute. It did not happen. What pain, what terror he must have felt. You shiver at the prospect even as you cast fearful glances around the room, trying unsuccessfully to calm your shattered nerves. I'm going to need both of you to make a sanity roll, please. 
I needed a 73. I rolled a 5. I needed a 49. I got a 99. That's a fumble. Pippa, you're going to take one point of sanity damage. Roy? So that is going to be six points lost. I need you next to make an intelligence roll. I failed it. I need a 50. I got a 58. So if you fail your intelligence, you repress the memory. So you don't have any immediate problems other than the loss of sanity. So basically all he sees is a trench coat hooked around the back of a chair. Pippa, you are listening to Roy orate this journal that he found. And you can quite clearly see that something had been gnawing on him and eating him alive. One foot is missing. That reminds you of the dream you had the other night. Was it Charles Blaine who ate your feet? That is exactly where your mind goes, back to that nightmare. I take a step back, first off, when I realize the whole situation that it's him. And I'm constantly putting my one foot over top of the other to try to hide my feet. What acerbates it even more, you begin to hear a dripping sound coming from potentially the restroom. And that also reminds you of the nightmare water filling up, trapping you. I don't want to do this anymore. How does Roy suppress this memory? I turn the skeleton into a puppet and be friends with it. So I'll walk over to the chair and I'll grab him by the shoulders and pick him up and be like, Hello, gorgeous! I'll put him on my knee up the back of his trench coat, sort of just like grab his head and have it bobbing. So you know what the worst thing about working in a train station is? All the ribs that people keep playing on me. Sing the hello, my baby, hello, my honey. And then after a minute or two of that, she'll, sheesh, tough crowd. And then I'll drop it and it'll sort of break apart. Charles Blaine goes skittering across the floor in pieces. Rip in pieces, Charles. Pippa, you witness all this horrific comedy routine or vaudeville routine. Roy, that was your friend. I never met the guy. That's Charles. Charles who? In charge? Roy, we gotta go. We gotta get out of here. You say so. I mean, I'm done here. Bring the letter. Which letter? There are 26 of them. It's almost as if once he dropped the corpse of Charles Blaine, it's now not a person. It's simply a, some items on the floor, some detritus, some old trash that is in his way. And he kind of kicks it. You're both still bleeding from the attack. And Choo Choo had sent you in here to find a first aid kit. Let's go find this med kit. Okay. Pills here. And then I start moving around his body. Wait, you got some pills, man? Start walking up into this room. This is basically a machine room of sorts. Uh, Looks like there is old electrical panels, that sort of thing. And uh, there is a rusty first aid kit on the wall. And I'll go and just rub my hand all over the rusty parts. And This part's sharp and cutty. What the heck looked you? I'll go grab it. So it's one of those uh, old schools where it's like bolted to the wall, but you just unlatch it. And inside you find bandages, antiseptic. And it's actually quite a lot of it because this was probably used not only for the people who used to work here once upon a time, but also uh, for potentially any passengers. At this stage, if you would like to perform medicine check, it requires one hour. If you pass the test, it is 1d3 hit points uh, healed. You can also stack on top of that a first aid. You can get 
one hit point on top of that. Roll one for yourself and one for Pippa. I need I need a seven, I got a 31. I need a seven, I got a 32. So you going to let those stand at all? No luck applied? I don't have enough luck to do anything. Pippa, you could try medicine as well. Yeah, it can't hurt unless I fumble and then we die. No, then you die. No, no, I'm doing it to you first. <laughs> no. I needed a one, I rolled a 26. Okay, yeah, that one's for me. Ooh, I needed a one. I rolled an eighty-eight. Okay, so medicine's going to be a no-go. You just guys aren't 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 as well versed in that. So let's go ahead and do first aid. Pippa, you start off with your first aids. Uh, I need a fifty. Rolled a fifty-three. I will spend the luck. Okay, so three points of luck to make that a success leaves me with thirty-nine. And it was at one point for Roy. Yep. And then one for yourself, please. I need a fifty. I rolled a seventeen. That's very hard. So you're you're healed up. Your one points. Choo choo comes in. And he, he doesn't look very good. You hear him come in through the door, and he joins you in the storage room. His face has gone sort of ashy gray. You can tell that he's probably suffering from a heart condition of some sort, with your vast medicine skills. Quick, give him the po man's pills. Nothing will go wrong. You guys find the, the first aid kit all right? Yeah, do you know medicine? <laughs> uh, it, no, I, I know how to flip tracks and all that, but she's no... I, I, I didn't pass that bar, but uh, you guys look like you're patched up a little bit. Now, I guess that's going to be good because I'm pretty sure we got some company coming. I heard some noises and there was uh, some howling and whatnot. Uh, Should we just barricade ourselves in here? Well, I already uh, barricaded the front door. I mean, that's the best we can do. I don't, I don't know what else we can do. I don't know. Shut all these other doors. <laughs> if you look around, see if there's like any other place out, out of this uh, yeah, there's there's a, a broken uh, fence door over by the turnstiles. I have not checked the bathroom yet, but I don't I don't think we need to go in there. You got pee? Well, you see, I got pee like every five minutes. So yeah, I went twice already out on the ramp. Okay, fine. We'll wait. Got, go. I got that nice slope going and it, like, it ran straight down. It was nice. Nobody around. I just let it fly free. <laughs> oh, oh. So good. So good. <laughs> on the third rail. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there should be some stairs or something around here. Maybe, maybe we'll get lucky they didn't close it all up. Don't count on me getting lucky. All right, as quietly as we can, let's work our way over to that area and go through that gate and see what we can find. So uh, you guys walk into a larger area. There's an old token booth. And, of course, everything is dusty and dirty. Tiles are relatively clean and uh, unblemished. But Choo Choo is keeping up a pattern. He's like, uh, yeah, they, they closed this place down back in the, uh, I think it was 1948 or something like that. That's when this place was in operation. It's been a long time. It was only open for like a month in 1948, and then uh, it, it was a whole thing, you know. It was like basically the 75th and the 78th streets were extended in the early 50s to uh, go one block further into Central Park. The bus lines and the tourism and all that stuff. So they, they kind of closed these old stations, these other loops uh, in the mid-50s. And this one, I believe, I think if I remember correctly, it was uh, uh, 1952. It's when they, they sealed this place up uh, for good. Uh, but, you you know, maybe we could uh, get lucky here and uh, and find find some way out back up to the surface. Uh, but you know, uh, I'll tell you a little secret here. There's they started restructuring this place a little bit. You know, they had to, the flow wasn't working or whatever, and so they decided to put the toll booth here and this over the turnstiles here. And they, they actually had the ramp going in a completely different direction. But once they started doing some uh, rejiggering of the walls and whatnot, they busted through one of the the older walls. And they found a headstone. It was like this old 1860 cemetery. And there was like 
some catacombs and shit. They had to close this place up for good, so. All hush-hush, of course, you know. Everybody got paid under the table for that sort of thing. As you, you can see here, like they, they did a really nice job in all of the detail and the architecture and whatnot, and it all went to waste. Wow, so literally an ancient burial ground. You know, back in the 1860s, I mean, there was every place, you know, like there was a bunch of churches out this way. They kind of took and just raised all that stuff for Central Park when they put it in. And, you know, they didn't really care about moving some of the bodies. Some they did. Yeah, I mean, that's just, it's history, you know. So you're telling me they didn't build this city on rock and roll? Well, rock and bone. Anyways, enough with the history lesson. Uh, we we gotta we gotta figure some place out of here. All right. Well, let's go to the next room so I can get the next lesson. So we're moving on up. Yeah, I feel like that's probably a good move. Moving on up to the northeast side. You see stairs leading up, and sure enough, they head up to a landing. I think this might be it, guys. Let's go. Hey, Chooch, why don't you tell us about this landing? Well, I'm pretty sure this is where they would come into the station, so good. thank God maybe we could get out of this place. There's no long history about this? Nah, it's just a couple steps. This tire was handcuffed. Hey, young man, just slow down a bit so I can lean on you. Would you mind? I'm getting a little out of breath here. Of course. And he, he leans on you as you go up the stairs and attain the landing just to find that there's a blank concrete wall cutting off the rest of the staircase ah shit i was afraid this happened I, there's no way we're getting through that that's uh they just poured concrete straight on down why would they do that this city oh uh, they they didn't want any of those like urban explorers you know spelunking around down here and whatnot yet here we are doing it anyway yep here we are doing it for ourselves all right i guess we'll find another way maybe uh well no i there's no way the elevator is going to be working. There used to be an elevator here. Where? Probably right next to the stairs, don't you think? When? There was an elevator? Well, it wouldn't be in the restroom, I'll tell you that much. All right, let's go back down and see if the elevator is accessible. I mean, worst case scenario, we could climb up out of it, maybe. Uh, yeah, so you head back down the stairs to the token booth area, and sure enough, into this alcove. I swear to God, if you make me roll a climb. And there is a uh, closed elevator door to the far end of this alcove. Roy, help me pry this open. Okay. And I'll pry it open with my hands, because I'm strong. Actually, it's relatively easy to pry it open with the two of you working. Because I'm strong. No, no, put... Look, lean down a little bit. Pippa, you're, you're doing it all wrong. Just, you know, pull in one direction, let him pull in the... Oh, God, you kids these days. All right, well, just, you know, do your best. Roy, as soon as we get in, shut the door. And the... Elevator doors open with a reluctant screech to reveal an elevator shaft that leads up about 15 feet before blocked off by a concrete. Son of a bitch. And plummets down, down, down into darkness. The car long ago removed. There is no cable and there is simply a iron rung ladder set into one side of the uh, wall, leading down. You want to take a dive? Uh, not particularly, but... Uh, hey, do you guys hear that? And you hear three loud booms on the door, leading back to the ramp, and you hear a voice say, So, friends of Charles Blaine have finally arrived. 
And we'll head back to Rocky and Maria. You're looking at Diamond Dave's emaciated and tortured body. And he's making this terrible noise from his tongueless mouth. And Maria hits the landing right behind you. Oh my God. Who, who is that? Uh, this was Diamond Dave, uh, a local who was helping me gather information and uh, didn't turn out too well for him. As you'd say his name, he begins nodding and he raises his arm and points his stump at the wall to your right. Well, it appears he has something to tell us. Take my phone, and I'm going to shine it up and over to the wall to the he was pointing at. The wall to your right has been breached, and there is a rough-hewn tunnel beyond this brick facade. It almost looks as if something had originally burst out of the tunnel into this space, and it disappears into the darkness. And you're pretty sure you can hear receding footfalls. I thank you for your service, and... Uh... I really hate to leave you like this. And he begins nodding furiously. Point at Maria, plug your ears. And she does so, turns away. Dead center of his forehead, and I'm going to just pull the trigger. Boisty, boisty, bop. And Maria once again puts her hand on your shoulder and says, You had no choice. That was the merciful thing to do. It's the price to be paid in this business. Let's make them pay. Oh, Precisely what I was thinking. You know, there are footfalls heading in that direction. We uh, might want to play catch-up. Right behind you. Flashlight and gun up and start power walking down the tunnel. Make an intelligence roll, please. Uh, I needed a 60. I rolled a 43. That's a success. As you are in, obviously, hot pursuit of probably Marigold Odobrati and potentially the thing you saw take the scepter... You begin to ask yourself, why would Marigold Odebrati and or Jason Windflower want the scepter intact? It would have been very easy for Tomislav to have destroyed it if that was their intent. True, it could be used to destroy them, but maybe it could also alternately be used in another way that would help them. It does seem as if they want to, at the very least, keep it secured away from meddling hands like yours, or meddling mattresses like Roy's. But also something occurs to you that maybe isn't quite as obvious. If they need to keep it intact for whatever reason, maybe the power isn't the wielding of the artifact, but the destruction of it. Is that why Charles might have left it behind to sort of charge up before eventually discharging it here in New York City by Samantha Blaine? That was his hope. And Maria behind you says, Are you okay? You're so quiet. Just thinking, if that artifact is some sort of weapon that Charles was planning on using to destroy these things, wouldn't it be easier for them to just destroy it themselves, thereby nullifying it? But they're trying so hard to keep it intact instead. That is odd. Where where did you say you found this? Underneath the manor, very deep underneath the manor, in a sealed glass case that, when breached, caused the house to explode or implode. 
into said pit in which the staff was located. Do you happen to know if Blaine Manor, was it on ley lines by any chance? Yes, in fact, it was. Well, that explains it. That ley lines where they cross is a site of power and can sometimes infuse certain objects of mysticism with energy. And if what you're saying is true, then I think we need to get that scepter and destroy it before they're allowed to change the polarity of the energies to their bent. Does that make sense? No, it, it does. It's, it's a different angle from thinking than I'm used to, but believe I'm picking up what you're putting down, as the kids say. I don't mean to alarm you, but I sense a presence. Santa? I think Pippa is not far away. We need to hurry. Pick up the pace it is and go from mall walking to lightly jogging. It's pronounced jogging. Mall walking to lightly jogging. As long as you're not frogging. No, but I am flogging. All right, so you're going to hustle your way. We're going to do the hustle. Say something else that we can make fun of. Cheese sticks. <laughs> Cheese. After some time, it does open up into a larger chamber at one point. And this chamber appears at first to be just a hollowed out section of cavern that maybe had formed naturally, until you see a skeletal arm protruding from one of the walls, covered in limestone. And Maria looks at it and says, this must have been a cemetery at some point? I mean, the arm sticking out of the wall would make sense if this was at one point a burial ground of sorts. And have you noticed that the floor is sloping down? We seem to be descending deeper underground. I mean, if we're heading to a subway station, which I'm assuming that's where everyone is going, it would make sense for us to be going down. Yeah, I suppose. Well, let's let's keep going. And uh, you guys continue on your subterranean journey, and so we'll head back to Roy and Pippa. Secret tunnel. Were you expecting company? Really funny. I say we try the elevator shaft, and I'm going to grab onto the first rung, kind of test it to see how sturdy it feels. As best as you can tell, it seems to be pretty solid and anchored. Guys, I'm going down. I'm not going to get... It's not going to happen to me. And I'm going to just swing all the way over and trust it and and start to go down the rung ladder. Choo-choo go, then I'll come up the rear and... Make it easy. Oh, sure. You want me to go first so I can look up at your butt the whole way? Uh, that makes perfect sense. I mean, why wouldn't you want to look at his butt the whole way? Oh, wait a minute. Never mind. Uh, what am I complaining about? Got some cake back there, man. Oof. How does it look like two shiny red apples? <laughs> I said I'd be coming up the rear. Okay, we saved that for the Lovecraft tapes after dark. Keep it in your pants. Make me. Uh, you, you help choo-choo a little bit along the way. Maybe he stumbles here and there. Because I keep stepping on his fingers. Yeah, ah, oh, son of a bitch. What are you doing? Watch what you uh, clumsy ox. Sorry, I just got lost in your ass cheeks. I like to take the uh, scenic route, you know what I'm saying? I'm going slow. <laughs> it's been many years since I felt the touch of a man. And it seems to take quite some time before you're all able to reach the bottom. And uh, you find yourself in a very dark cavernous tunnel at the bottom and just as roy leaps the last couple rungs onto the ground next to you and brushes himself off you hear splintering wood echoing from down the elevator shaft as you hear the door 
to the station explode inward, followed by several howling sounds and heavy footsteps that begin to come closer and you hear that same voice say here kitty kitty kitties it's megan the stallion i think we should probably get moving here yeah let's uh let's let's get going you gonna keep up old timer uh, yeah i do my best uh i, th- I think uh, maybe we head off in this direction i i'm pretty sure that's uh back the way towards uh, grand central Roughly speaking. Just because I can't help it, I'm still a businesswoman. I'm going to leave one of my business cards at the bottom of the elevator. If you're ever looking for another abandoned station, please call me. Uh, Fun times. And uh, you guys strike off into the darkness. Rocky and Maria have been following for quite some time and going from the tunnel that narrows to more of those wide open spaces, so much so that it's beginning to be a bit unnerving each time you go into this enlarged area because you know that you're probably going to see be seeing some shattered skulls embedded in the walls. And even as you go, you begin to notice bits of shattered bones that have been picked clean and gnawed on. And Maria is keeping as close to you as she possibly can. She seems to be becoming a bit more nervous. Eventually, the corridor takes a hard left, and you hear scuffling sounds just around the bend. Stop for a moment, look back to Maria, and put my finger up to my lips, give her the shh sign. And she nods. Crouch down a bit and very slowly inch my way up and point my flashlight and my gun around the corner. 30 yards away, the corridor opens up into yet another large chamber, and Marigold Odebrati is standing right in the middle. You've caught up to her, and her companion, a gray dog creature, squatted down next to her haunches, and she whirls around as you flash the flashlight, and you see she has the scepter in her hand. Simultaneously, 20 yards beyond her, three figures enter the chamber at a different mouth opening, and you see Roy and an old man and Pippa, and you hear howls coming from behind them. And Marigold smiles at you slowly and says, I believe Mr. Windflower would like a word. Tune in next time as we play another reel of the Lovecraft Tapes. All right, guys, it's time for some recommendos where we share our latest geeky obsessions. Please roll 200. Uh, Matt, you're going to start us off. Then we'll go Gabe, Brian, and me. And I'm really happy to say that uh, if you're like me and you're a big fan of looter shooters and you enjoyed Borderlands, that you should uh, definitely give Tiny Tina's Wonderlands a shot. It is a more or less a, a Borderlands spinoff starring Tiny Tina from the other Borderlands games. The premise being that you are stuck with Tiny Tina and... Being stuck as you are, she decides to make you play a game of Bunkers and Badasses, which is the Borderlands universe equivalent of Dungeons and Dragons. It becomes the story of you and two other people you're stuck with 
working with Tina as she lays out this whole fantasy adventure. What's really great about it is that it retains a lot of the, the humor of the Borderlands series. So not only now do you have characters making fun of the, the tropes of video games, but you also have them latching on to some of the tropes of tabletop role-playing games and Dungeons and & Dragons as well. And it's just a really fun take on the, the Borderlands series that keeps all the good stuff from the mainline games, but brings enough brand new uh, flavor and adventure to make it a, a game, a standalone game that's totally worth its own salt. Uh, it's called Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Thank you, Matt. We'll check that out. And Gabe, you're up next. I'm going to recommend one of my favorite shows of all time. Interestingly enough, two shows that I would consider of my favorites of all time are mocks of talk shows on Adult Swim, and this is one of them. This is the Eric Andre Show. The other one is Space Ghost Coast to Coast. The Eric Andre Show is like a surrealist nightmare of a show, pretty much. I love it. I, you know, it's one of those loud equals funny type shows. Watching him catch all these celebrities as off guard as possible is really just a joy to me. He basically tries to isolate them and make them as completely uncomfortable as possible. Like when he records a talk show, he does it in a smelly, hot room with no audience and just tries to... And he he says that he basically interviews them for like three hours to get 11 minutes worth of content out of it. And he just tries to beat them down and make them as uncomfortable and raw as possible to get their honest personality out of them. And then he has these sketches in between and it's just all around a joy to watch. For me, one of the most underrated things that he does on the show is at the end of each episode, he has just a hilarious music joke. Like he has like the Supremes playing with a death metal band and stuff like that and then he has like a recurring thing where he has like rappers trying to rap as they compete on like a wipeout style course and he's shocking them with a stun gun it's such a great show as popular it is it's completely underrated because there are just so many people that have never seen it probably just simply because it's on adult swim that's the eric andre show i know it's on hulu because they have that deal with adult swim so check that out nice brian you are up next it's a Wagner airless paint sprayer, the 130 Pro, and it is the best thing that has ever changed my life. I build sets for a living for stage production, and I tested this out today. I have to paint four foot by eight foot flats, about a million of them every year, and it takes me roughly five to eight minutes per flat to roll it out with a roller and you get crap in the roller and you have to go through and pick all the pieces out and all that junk this thing took me less than a minute to paint an entire wall and all i had to do if i had it all set up is paint the one wall move to the next wall move to the next wall i would have been done in less than 10 minutes painting the entire wall set very excited to finish painting the current production that i'm working on and uh in the future it's going to save me so much time and so much headache having to clean paint trays and waste roller covers and paint brushes you can just spray it on so check out the if you need to paint your house or anything like that this also gives you a perfect coat and you can get different nozzles that just slide in and lock and it allows you to get different spray patterns so you can go from like a three inch spray pattern all the way up to i think 18 inch spray pattern so the paint will come out in an 18 inch swath on your wall very little overspray. it's because there's no air pushing it it's airless so it's just the pump feed of pumping the paint and you pour directly latex paint can go directly into the hopper right through the hose onto the wall you don't need to thin it or anything don't need to strain it 
So definitely try it out. If you have any project projects at home, it's right on the verge of being a pro setup, like something that actual house painters that do it as a job would come through and, and use, but a little bit easier to clean. It's lighter, it's plastic. So, but check it out. It's the um, Wagner Airless Paint 130 Pro. All right, cool. Well, thanks, Brian. We'll check that out. And uh, I'm going last, and my recommendo tonight is for a board game. This wasn't really on my radar initially, but I read some reviews, and I was like, well, I'm just going to spring for it. This is Alien, Fate of the Nostromo, developed by Ravensburger, the guys uh, who did Jaws, the board game, which I also really like. I I just love the mechanics of it. In this one, uh, each player assumes the role of Ripley, Dallas, Lambert, Brett, or Parker, it takes place shortly after Kane's death when he dies from the chestburster. Uh, that's sort of where the action begins, uh, where the crew is hunting down the alien. Ash, if you remember the science officer who is the uh, robot, essentially, as a character, he's relegated to the sidelines as a mostly absent NPC. Uh, if you want to crank up the difficulty, there is a, a mode where you can actually insert him and he kind of just steals your supplies. That's kind of all he does. After that, you're dealt out some objective cards and it requires the players to move around the board and pick up uh, different equipment using a limited amount of actions each turn and usually deliver those equipment that you you uh, pick up to a certain spot, another spot in the, the ship. And, and as you complete these objectives, uh, once you've completed all the those simple objectives, then you flip over the card that is your main mission. And there's a whole set of other objectives on that. And if you're able to complete the main mission, um, then you basically are able to either escape the ship or kill the alien or whatever. Each round, uh, the player has to deliver these cards that will indicate that the alien is stalking you and pops out occasionally. If it pops up in your space then you have to run away three spaces. And it doesn't really do much other than what they call eroding your morale. There's no damage to take. There's this one main counter that has a morale, and uh, it seeps away as time goes by. But you, you pick up equipment to actually combat this. And what I like about it is that it's very simple, but it's effective. So because the morale is slowly eroding, you get the impression that time is running out and that you need to you know, do these objectives as best you can and get away from the, the creature. And also you can defend against the creature and push him back into the nest and that sort of thing. It's not a really difficult game unless you want to introduce that Ash character. What I really like about it is that it takes very little time to play. I think we cranked out... One game in about 30 minutes. And I guess really what Ravensburger is good at is the design and the flavor really captures the spirit of the movie. Uh, If you're looking for just a quick play, even with just two players, Alien Fate of the Nostromo is a pretty good buy. It's not super expensive either. Yeah, I really like Jaws. All right, guys. Well, that's going to be it for this episode of Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review just like Harold did. Five stars, 10 out of 10. Uh, Meanwhile... You can find us at lovecrafttapes.com with links to all our socials, including Discord, a Reddit, a YouTube, a Twitch, and a much, a much a more. You can find me on Twitter at Lovecraft Tapes. And if anyone else has any fun stories about secret tunnels, uh, I want I want to hear about your I want to hear all about your secret tunnels on on Twitter at the Real Weird Kid. And if anybody wants to talk about how strong I am for opening that elevator shaft, you can find me at Lovecraft Gabe. You guys can reach me at Brian Podcasts, but I'd like to have you shout out on Discord 
if you could. All that support, I'm going to need to cast my first spell. Help me get that spell out. Until next time, roll four. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, my good time gal. The Lovecraft Tapes Podcast is copyright 2022. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes Podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.